0: As you may know, I try to find Jewish content and Jewish meaning in everything. There always seems to be a Jewish moment, even in the most secular of things. I have found Jewish moments in baseball. After all, what's the whole point of baseball except to find your way back home? And isn't that one of the most important themes of the Days of Awe? I have found Jewish meaning in Shoney's Breakfast Bar, which is a chain of diners in the South, That has an open breakfast bar 24 hours a day, and believe me, people take advantage of it again and again. It was there that I figured out the reason for the laws of kashrut, of kosher and non-kosher foods. No, it has nothing to do with disease. After all, have you ever seen what a chicken eats? Rather, the laws are about self-control and self-respect. Not eating everything in sight separates us from the animals and in a fundamental way elevates us to something more soulful. So when there is a specifically Jewish thing that happens, discerning the Jewish content is so much easier. But even then, with something so obviously Jewish, there is often Jewish content that is overlooked. I found such a thing and its symbolism for these days of awe in a place that is remarkable and unexpected. The series Fear the Walking Dead is a zombie apocalypse show, which these days seems to have quite a bit of resonance. None of the characters in any of the series has any religious identity at all. There is no hint of religiosity or faith of any kind. And so it is interesting that the writers introduced a character who was not just Jewish, but who still practiced Judaism. The opening scene of a relatively recent episode has the rabbi standing in front of his totally empty congregation. It is Saturday night. We know this, at least Jews know this, because he picks up the Havdalah candle and he lights it. Havdalah is the ceremony that ends the Shabbat and begins the regular work week. And after lighting the Havdalah candle, he picks up the wine cup and in perfect Hebrew, says the blessing. FYI, the actor, who is Jewish, clearly has Hebrew knowledge. His accent on pri Prihagafim was superb. Well, he then picks up the spice box and he does the blessing again perfectly. And in the middle of the blessing over the candle, there is the signature knocking on the door and it's not one of his congregants coming in to buy a mezuzah. There is not a lot of humor in this series. In fact, I don't recall even the slightest chuckle. But in the mouth of this character, the writers put in the words, if you're alive, I'd let you in, but we really don't have much to talk about, and you're not very good at conversation. Clearly annoyed, but not afraid, he goes out into the temple's courtyard, and dispatches the onerous guest guest only to be accosted by more. A moment later, in the midst of the struggle between the rabbi and the unwelcome guests, the rabbi encounters a teenage girl, Charlie, and they save each other's lives. And then, in the most nonchalant way, he quietly introduces himself. And I love this line coming in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. And he says, I'm Rabbi Jacob Kesner. Welcome to Temple B'nai Israel. I was almost expecting him to ask if she found the website useful and what brought her here. Alas, he didn't. Still, Charlie tells him that she was drawn to the synagogue by the sight of an electric light, a rare sight in a world overrun by zombies. Ah, he said, that's the near to referring to the synagogue's eternal light. It's the presence of God. It is God. It is she who led you here. Charlie has had her first introduction to Judaism class. And of course, right after explaining what the eternal light, the near Tamid, is, he says to her, let's get you inside and get you something to eat. I guess that was her second class in her introduction to Judaism. Most people would probably look at the Jewish content of this scene and not approvingly since it fits the story so well and its new Jewish character the only character in the series with any religious baggage at all but i saw something different and it has a message for us on this rosh hashanah morning and it's a message we can share with one another even though we are each ensconced in our own homes as we try to ride out this pandemic rosh hashanah you see the symbol of the nair to is what struck me if you know the source the torah tells us that the N'er to meet an everlasting flame was to be kept burning on the altar throughout the night so that the attendants would not have to rebuild the flame in the morning for all the sacrifices. We read about the near tamid for the first time in the verse that says, you shall further instruct the Israelites to bring clear oil of beaten olives for lighting for kindling lamps regularly. Nothing really over spiritual, overly spiritual there, but over time, the Nair Tamid became the visible sign of God's presence. The flame, the presence of God was alive, brightening a dark room visible to all who opened their eyes, and even in the absence of people, remains warm and inviting. I can't believe the foundations for a sermon from, came from a series called Fear the Walking Dead, but there it is. Like the rabbi in the show, we have been in an empty building since mid-March, Our holy place, Beth Miriam, is essentially silent. Sure, lately the office has been staffed and Rosie still comes in to take care of the place and to make sure what is supposed to be working works. Harry comes in to do the books from time to time and the teachers meet with Stella a couple of times to try to strategize teaching for the new year. But absent are the students, the adults learning the community of worshipers in the service, and then the schmoozing, and the schmoozing in the Oneg afterwards. Missing are the programs and the picnics. The temple has gone dark, but its people have not. For even in the depths of this pandemic, the to Tamid still burns. That light is the light that keeps people drawn to one another. In the spring, my Teen Academy students wanted to keep meeting and talking and learning the Torah class, Talmud class, and theology class were neither dispirited or dissuaded from learning. The men's club kept the light burning with the program, and there was the wonderful opportunity to discuss the movie Unorthodox in three separate sessions and, of course, the discussion on the book The Color of Love. We didn't just keep the temple going. We kept the meaning of the temple alive. And that meaning is, not surprisingly, not about the building, but about its people. We kept each other strong, and we are keeping each other strong. We were there for one another as a Nair Tamid. And in the midst of this pandemic and Rosh Hashanah like no other, it seems that once again the Nair Tamid has taken on a new meaning. It is no longer the, simply the presence of God, It is the presence of another whose light shines on the darkness and frustration of another so much in need of it. It is the presence of Hinani. here I am. This light of Hinani is the light that has been coming from each of us, and it is a light of love and the true desire to take care of one another. It is the light of the anonymous congregant who calls me and says that if anyone needs financial assistance, be sure to make sure that they are the first ones I call and keep calling as long as necessary. It is the light of teachers who, with panimia fot, a smiling face, greet each student every single Sunday morning and teach our kids the very best they can. They punted and they pivoted, and I pretty much guarantee that, in years to come, our students and their extraordinary parents are going to remember their religious school teachers who, in the midst of this darkness, remained their lights. It is the teenagers who normally learn with me once a month on Sunday mornings, but who wanted who wanted to be in the class every single week in moments of strength our ne'er to Mead burned brightly in moments of darkness there was always someone to reach out to and give support even if that support and encouragement was on zoom or separated by a cell phone it reminds me of the story of the revered rabbi who once took a trip to visit a younger colleague The older rabbi was very impressed with the young rabbi's total immersion in his prayers and his study. And the rabbi asked him, tell me, what is the secret of your unwavering piety? The younger rabbi said that he immersed himself in his study so deeply that he was able to ignore any outside influences contrary to his piety. The older rabbi thought about that for a moment and, as older rabbis are wont to do, created a metaphor. And he said, "When it is very cold, there are two ways to warm yourself. One is by putting on a fur coat and the other is by lighting a fire. The difference is that the fur coat warms only the person wearing it, whereas the fire warms anyone who comes near it. In this pandemic, we started out by hunkering down and keeping ourselves and our families safe. And that's the way it should be. But as we got used to the situation, we allowed our ne'er to me to shine and many of us became beacons of hope and strength to others. Despite the terrible news that seems to be reported every day to the seeming disregard for our lives that so many throughout the country have shown to be the simple statistic of how many people are sick and who have died comes out day by day. Despite all of that, those who have kept alive their 'er ne'er-to-mead and warmed others are the honest spiritual heroes of the time. They are not the ones like the hucksters looking to sell a miracle portion or some gibberish to make the disease go away, nor are they like the deniers who say, if I don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. No, the light of the Nair Tamid is a light in the midst of the darkness that says, No, not all is well, but not all is dark either. The Machzor reflects this truth, and for a book codified 1,200 years ago, it seems pretty insightful for the 21st century. The most famous phrase of the prayer book is probably, On Rosh Hashanah it is written, and on Yom Kippur it is sealed. How many will die and how many will be born? Who at ripe old age and who before their time? Who by fire, who by water, who by wind and who by plague? In this time of COVID, none of us could hear that prayer and not be impacted by it, perhaps like never before. We probably all know someone who got sick or died. Even though we may try to make the prayer and poem into a metaphor, this year it surely isn't. It's our wake-up call, it's our shofar sounding, arousing us to the truth of this day. And what is the truth of this day? It is a day that contains an awful truth. And yet, even with the awful truth and the awareness of the plague at our door, we do not despair. The response to the darkness in the last line of the prayer, Tefila Uteshuvah Tzedaka Maarivin Et Roah Hagazera is usually translated as prayer, repentance, and acts of loving kindness that ameliorate the harshness of the decree. But today, I offer a different interpretation: Tefila, prayer but not for ourselves only, but for our entire sick nation. We seek a genuine tefila that is self-introspective and asks us if our ne'er tamid burns and warms others or simply smolders on an altar of uncaring. Teshuva, repentance, a real turning, to see what our words and actions have done over the past year, and to reorient ourselves toward basic Menschlichkeit, being a decent human being. And this year, our repentance ought to include repenting of our impatience at those who are as in pain as we. And tzedakah, sometimes translated as charity, but more correctly translated as righteousness. Ours is a religion more of doing and less of talking. It's like the story of the Catholic theologian Thomas Aquinas, who spent a good part of his life writing his Summa Theologica. And when asked why he abandoned the work in old age, he said this. He said, I had a dream of an angel who was emptying the ocean with a teaspoon. And Aquinas asked what he was doing, and the angel responded, I'm doing theology. We Jews can study theology, but it is like emptying the ocean with a spoon. It goes on forever. But doing the acts of righteousness, keeping the near-to-meet alive, and illuminating the darkness for others in these strange times, requires no teaspoon, but rather a healthy dose of respect and love. That's all it takes, and it is something that we are all capable of. This is the strangest Rosh Hashanah I have ever heard of. There's nothing normal about it, but we are anchored. We are anchored in the liturgy and the prayers of hope and affirmation. We are anchored in a worldwide Jewish community where at this moment, the universal prayers for a sweet year ascend to heaven. And we are anchored because each of us has a ne'er to meet, an eternal light that we refuse to put out. We have proven to ourselves that it still burns. This coming year, I pray that it burns with the passion of presence, with the passion of hinani, here I am, and Hinenu, here we are. And with the warmth of understanding, and the quiet reassurance that even in the midst of all this craziness, the presence of God will never leave. And I wish you all a Shana tova and a Gamar Chatima tova. May you have a sweet year, a good year, and may you all, may we all, may our nation all be inscribed in the Book of Life for love and blessing.